Next on BYUSN, are the Cougars defending their de facto Pac-12 title the richest storyline heading into the BYU-Oregon game on Saturday? Hold up, Spence. Did you just say richest? Because BYU's getting 1.1 mil to play this game, so there's that. Well, I believe there's a bonus in there somewhere for us. Really? We'll big talk about that after the show. Big 12 money pouring in already. In the meantime, welcome to BYU Sports Nation, everyone. Presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, September 14th. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton. That, my friends, is Jerem Jordan. Hey, let's go. Welcome to the program on today's show. Malik Moore joins the show. Number 12 weighs in on being ranked number 12. The newest Deep Blue featuring Ed Lamb and his uh, uh, autistic son, Edward, who uses horseback riding to spend time together. Validation from Kirk Herbstreet and RG3. Max Tooley baptized somebody else, apparently. And Bronco Mendenhall's name surfaces for which big-time job? Whoa. But first, let's bend but not break on some BYU Sports Nation. Nicely played. Here are, uh, beginning with, rather, I should say, your 12th-ranked BYU Cougars getting ready for the Oregon Ducks in the rain currently. Now, fitting, like, it seems weird, but it's raining in Provo. It won't be raining in Eugene. They go, practiced go in figure. the rain because they think it might rain Saturday. Yeah, look at the forecast. Right now it just says calm, 64 degrees. We'll see what happens Spencer, you're going to Oregon. It can it's always true. rain. It's true. The Ducks, a four-point favorite, will welcome former Duck Kingsley Suamataia and the Cougars in about 72 hours. What's this week like for you already? Ooh, um, a lot of emotions. I got a lot of good friends, cousins on the team. Um, but, you know, I just got to keep my cool and, um, <laughs> um, and it's going to be great. It's going to be a good game. Um, a lot of great athletes on both sides of the ball, but I got my brothers over here and they have my back. I got theirs, so it's going to be a good game. He's got to keep his ghoul, uh, cool against uh, Noah Sewell. Ooh, uh, a rhyme. Okay. Hey, I'm a poet, and I didn't even know. You are on one today. The Colts released cornerback Chris Wilcox after being on the practice squad the past two weeks in the active roster, but did not see game action in week one. We'll see if Chris clears waivers and makes another round. BYU men's golf finishes second at the USF Intercollegiate. Team one under par shot a combined 283. That's what I Carson usually Carson Lundell shoot. by yourself. <laughs> Carson Lundell and Tyson Shelley led the way for BYU tied for third individually. They next tee up at the William H. Tucker Intercollegiate in New Mexico on September 23rd and 24th. The Bill Tucker Intercollegiate, big one, man. Women's team finishes fifth, led by Alicia May Mateos, three under 68. Runner-up performance. What a what a performance. Cougars head to Knoxville for the Mercedes-Benz Collegiate Championship next week. I hope the winner gets a car. That'd be sick. We'll see about it. BYU women's soccer staying just in the latest coaches poll. Number 25, according to the United Soccer Coaches. After five straight home matches, BYU now three wins, two losses, two ties. We'll try and snap out of a funk against Utah State tomorrow in Logan 5 Eastern. You can listen live on BYU Radio. That game was moved up uh, because they want to avoid lightning, interestingly enough. Gotta love technology, man, but not as much as you used to. Mm. Men's cross country stays ranked fourth, women stay seventh. Cooks preparing for the Cowboy Jamboree uh, at Oklahoma State next Saturday, the 24th. Same site as the NCAA Championships coming up November 19th. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. There are several juicy, dare I say, rich storylines going into the BYU-Oregon game. Yep. Among those, another top 25 matchup for the Cougars. 
We already talked about the $1.1 million payout. So quite literally, nice. it's a rich storyline, Jaron. But there are several others. So what is the richest storyline for you heading into the BYU at Oregon game this weekend? It's to see if BYU's legit, Spence, because uh, BYU's won this game at home before. Top 10, not as much, right? But if BYU beats Baylor at home and then goes to Oregon and wins, the playoff conversation gets hot and heavy. Um, some people have mentioned, as we've discussed off-air, that, hey, that was like Cincinnati's win against Notre Dame last year. Well, Cincinnati didn't play the schedule that BYU's playing this year. Certainly it's tough. I still see as good as this team is, a couple of losses on this schedule, Spencer. I'm excited about where BYU could go. Maybe it is a special season where you can go undefeated or one loss. Historically, that's really tough. BYU's never played a schedule like this and had zero or one losses. Maybe this is the year BYU breaks out. But at Oregon is the next test, if, and if you can win that game, you are super legit and everyone's talking about you. A lot of people are talking about BYU, which we'll get to later with Kirk Herbstreit and RG3, of course. But that's the biggest storyline. Can BYU do it again? Can BYU beat another top 25 team, another name brand, and be at the forefront of the conversation in college football? Yeah, for me, the biggest storyline is something that we brought up for a moment yesterday, and that is... Can BYU continue to break out of these little slumps or funks that we've brought up as they've gone into these games? Oh, there was the Florida curse, right? Mm-hmm. Going two time zones, open up the season. never been good for Play BYU. Play worst teams in Florida. BYU, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Week three has been weird for BYU. Yep. And especially on the road. Can BYU come off of an emotional high against Baylor where they had to expend a ton of energy, went to double overtime, super late game. Can they reset and get rid of this? Week three, weird. If, if people are going to call, they're going to call it a curse, whatever. Okay. Like, oh, they don't play well in week three, especially on the road. It's not going to be well. Okay. BYU break out of that. Okay. So I'm watching that. How do they, how do the Cougars look, especially early in the game? Do they start slow or can they start fast? Um, against Baylor, BYU looked to start fast, put up a field goal, and, but then the rest of the half did basically nothing until Chase Roberts caught that touchdown. I feel like BYU is going to need to put up more than 10 points in the first half if they want to beat Oregon just because of how Oregon's offense is structured and how fast they move the ball. And Oregon wants to move with some pace, which is different than Baylor, right? So for me, it's can BYU break the funk of week three on the road and do so uh, in a scenario where there is some pressure and there's, there's added luster on the team and whatnot. So while well, Kingsley's a fun storyline and, you know, I can tell you what fans are caring about more than anything, and that is the Pac-12 scenario. Like, oh, man, we got, we got to maintain this 6-0 and <laughs> over the Pac-12 with Jaron Hall as the starting quarterback. Let's go! The, the Pac-12 championship storyline continues. Yep. Like, fans are absolutely wrapped up in that. And there's Utah fans are praying that BYU loses to Oregon this weekend so that they don't have to listen to that narrative anymore. I really want BYU to beat Oregon for a million reasons, <laughs> one of which is then we can say – was it even hard? Utah did it twice last year, you know. But hey, at Oregon is a tough game. Utah didn't have to play Oregon and Eugene last year, by the way. It was home, was it not? And then it was Vegas. So okay, week three last year, coming off of the Utah game, BYU responded really well in week three. Granted, it was at home. Yeah, it wasn't at Oregon. Different scenario. But ranked team week three last year, Pac-12, BYU won that game over Arizona State. Did it require the second greatest defensive play in BYU history, perhaps, uh, from Tyler Algier? I think so. Yeah. Kyle Morello, 84, of course, Hawaii being the first. Okay, other ones that are interesting. Don't forget, this is, this is right. I haven't looked to see the situation, but has, when's the last time BYU played an afternoon game on the West Coast? National TV, Fox. This is big time. Like, this is a huge game for BYU, 
being featured in that way. Other things of note. Um, Kalani Satake has coached against Oregon quite a bit. Don't forget, at Utah, he was the D.C. They played Oregon several times. He was at Oregon State. His last game coaching at Oregon State was against the Ducks in the Civil War. He's been there, done that quite a bit, right? Also, the Orem High guys unite. Noah Sewell with the Ducks, with Kingsley, Puka, Jacob Robinson, and Ethan Slade. Guys that won multiple state championships at Orem. A bunch for BYU, now against Noah Sewell. Um, other ones of note. Kalani Sitake, don't forget, we haven't mentioned this yet. Interviewed for the Oregon Oh, job I haven't forgotten. Last yeah. year. What did it do? It got him a raise at uh, Brigham Young University. And, uh, of course, the series history. 3-3, tied up. Uh, last, last time BYU played in Eugene, 90, tied at Murray. BYU loses 89, epic matchup, which, by the way, I haven't, I haven't verified this, but I read one article that said the 900-plus yards that Bill Musgrave and Ty Detmer combined for in 89 in Provo, the most in NCAA history Ooh. at the time. Don't forget, the last meeting for these two teams was in the Vegas Bowl. I ran Parab for ESPN. That's how long ago it's been. Um, and BYU won by 30. And in the series history, notably 3-3, the point differential is Oregon by one. Yep. How about that? So this, this is way, last night I tweeted it out, I was like, this is way richer in storylines, pun intended, than I ever imagined BYU and Oregon could be. Obviously Kingsley uh, playing his old team. He said he's got cousins, brothers, but these are his brothers now in blue. And BYU's on a mission to go in there. And I wonder, Spence, if BYU can, like you said, start fast. And I expect the run game and Christopher Brooks, who has played against Oregon. I watched Christopher Brooks play for Cal against Oregon in 2019. I just realized that will be BYU's quarterback in a couple years. Um, can they overcome the hostile crowd in Autzen, which, by the way, we're told there are 2,200 tickets available. Yep. Students don't, get, don't start the semester until the 27th. Uh, apparently in Eugene. So go buy tickets if you're close go. to Eugene. Anywhere near Port, please, please Port go Landians. buy tickets if the, you're close to Eugene. 503 is going to show up in this game. Watch, like you'll be there. The 503 BYU fan base will be there. It's going to be awesome. Maybe we've overlooked the biggest storyline, Jerem. Oh, that boy. is that BYU is an underdog. BYU, as the 12th ranked team in the country, is a four-point underdog, and maybe that's going to grow to even more going to Watson. Why? Why is BYU an underdog? Is home field for the Oregon Ducks worth that much? And do people know something that we don't? Are they buying in on... What are they buying into? Yes. BYU hasn't played well early in the season against Pac-12 schools on the road. Perhaps that's a storyline. Uh, how much is Autzen Stadium's atmosphere worth, especially if the students don't start classes until the 27th? Like, yeah, why? They'll be there. The students why will be there. It's whether is, the rest of the stadium will be there. Why is BYU an underdog? I feel like that's a huge storyline. It's a good question. 20 uh, straight home games uh, won, third longest streak in the country. Uh, 29 straight non-conference home. There you go. Streak. Like it, that's a big deal. Therein, therein lies the that's answer. That's a big deal. Therein yeah. lies the answer for those people that are looking at just tradition and histories and all of the little things that go into preparing for a matchup. That right there. Okay. So you answered the question straight up. It, that is why BYU Oregon at, is home, is Oregon at home is really tough to beat. 29 consecutive non-conference wins at Austin Stadium. Now remember last year, Oregon shot up the polls into the top 10 after they went to Columbus and won. So the Utah win over Oregon at the time was a big deal. And then later it's like, well, Oregon kind of faded at the end of the year. Oregon went to Stanford and lost. Like Oregon's capable of losing this game, but so is BYU. BYU certainly got to show up and, and go get this. But I believe 
that BYU is going to be able to run the ball in a way that they couldn't against Baylor. I think that's as bad as it gets for the BYU mm. run game all year. I think BYU is going okay. to be able to establish the run. Remember that Jaron Hall is a confident dude against almost, well, anybody. Because, like we said yesterday, he's 7-1 and one versus P5. It's like, what scenario is Jaron walking into where he goes, you know what, I don't, I don't think I have it or we have it today. No, no, no. This is the most confident, best leader BYU's had in a while. Like, he's waited three years to get his chance last year, really responded, played through, played through rib injuries in multiple games, even, even played after he was still hurt and had to come back early because Baylor Romney was injured. Now he walks into another validating moment where a guy that uh, recruited him, Ty Detmer, is uh, last loss for BYU there. There's some vengeance for BYU to go into Eugene and avenge that game from 1990. The stakes are high. He knows the ranking is poison, as he told me in the film room. I think BYU is really prepared for any challenge they have this year, which are many. Notre Dame in Vegas, Arkansas at home, at Boise State, where BYU's only won once. Sneaky games at Liberty, even East Carolina at home, as, as you've mentioned, sneakier with how they played against NC State and so on. This team's prepared to show up, just like they did on Saturday. But that wasn't a one-off to me. That wasn't a, we get up for this game, but we don't get up for that game. I, I think this will continue to validate the Baylor win if BYU goes in, in there and win. Because if you're really good, you go on the road and you win. Yeah, but even if you lose, again, depending on how BYU plays the game, what if Oregon kicks a field goal last play of the game and they beat BYU? If all of a sudden is BYU not legit? Respectable loss. Right. Is BYU, no, like BYU is still legitimate. It stings. It hurts. It kind of takes away uh, a big part of BYU being in the true national college football playoff conversation. Because that will start if BYU beats Oregon. Right. And, and Whether you want it or not, is that, that's going to start. Is the playoff the end game? To me, no. The realistic end game is a near six possibility. you got to have one loss or no losses. But I would take 10-2 in the regular season. I really would. That would be incredible. Okay. Oregon home field. Historic week three struggles on the road for BYU. Road game after an exhausting win. Your point is you feel like this BYU team is mature enough to handle these things that maybe some other BYU teams or other college football teams could not handle. The most prepared BYU team perhaps in history, Spence. That has to do with a couple of things. COVID is a big deal. This is the most experienced BYU team ever in terms of literally having gone through the fire. No group of BYU players has played a consecutive tougher schedule in their careers. Think about what Jaron has seen since 2018 as a player. The fires that he's been in as a backup. And then last year as a starter, winning more P5's games uh, with BYU as a team than they ever have in a single year, 6-1. and one. Obviously, when you're in the whack in the Mountain West, you don't play the number of these P5s. And not all P5s are created equal. When you beat Arizona, that's not as big of a win as when you win at Boise State in 2020. That's a bigger win. And when you beat Utah State in 2012, they finished ranked 16th. Sure. That's a huge win against a team that's in the whack at the time, I think, right? So this team's prepared to show up, compete, and... Pull off an upset? That feels weird to say as the number 12 team in the country, but Vegas says it is. Oh, here's the other thing that uh, experts may not be aware of because they're banking on maybe Pukunukua not playing. Guess what? If Pukunukua is back and playing for BYU, mm. you can wipe that four-point underdog scenario right off the board. You it, feel he's worth it four becomes, points? Absolutely. Wow. Because in the NFL, his, that'd be a huge because number of for his a non-quarterback. decoy ability. Like, you want to talk about BYU being able to run the ball? Throw the jet Puka, sweep. Throw Puka Nakua, exactly, on the jet sweep. Or just throw him out there, double-team him, and guess what? You have to account for him, and that opens up everything Including else. Including brother explore. Chase Roberts. Yes, yes. Puka Nakua's back in. 
You just make it even. Like you coin, coin, <laughs> coin flip game. Well, at that point, it's almost BYU plus three if home fields were three. Coin. You know what I mean? Like, okay, if it's even, that means BYU's got the advantage. Whew. Our question of the day, what is the richest storyline going into the BYU game at Oregon? We want you to tell us in Voice of the Nation. Second or first, first response, rather, I should say, and from Trent Kimball on Instagram. I think Kingsley Suamata'ia's return is definitely a story, but the top 25 matchup yeah. trumps all. Agree. Should be a great game. Hopefully no overtime this time. I don't care how BYU wins. Just that they win. Yeah. You know, go get it. Win by one in OT. Or win by 13 like Kansas in OT. That's like the weirdest OT score you could possibly have is to win by two scores. That means you housed something. <laughs> Strange things happen. Ben Peterson answers on Twitter. Yeah, the top 25 matchup. Yeah. This is still a good Oregon team, and totally. a win is not guaranteed. I yep. hope BYU gets Puka and Gunner back. I think that would be a huge help. Between us, it seems like, uh, you know, who knows on Gunner at this point? Well, based Hopefully on what, based on what Fessy Satake told me last week, and they said it very much is a week-to-week scenario on yeah. both of those guys. We're hopeful mm. that we, we feel confident that Puka will be back for Oregon. Uh, questionable that Gunner will be available for Oregon. If he's not available for Oregon, then we're hopeful that Gunner is back by the Wyoming game, which is the fourth game. You don't need him for Wyoming or Utah State. Hopefully he's ready for Notre Dame. Let's go. Okay, watch BYU football with Kalani Sataki on demand on BYUSN.com. That's the home of all shows and games now. And the BYU TV app is Kalani Sataki, Kingsley Suamati in studio. New film room featuring Jaron Hall on his emotional embrace with J. Cole. Up next, Malik Moore wears number 12 and is discussing with me what the number 12 ranking means to BYU football. I, I get the impression he's not taking that poison, Jeff. No, Mal- it's poison, man. Malik Plus, Moore, it's awesome. Up next on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. We are live in Studio B. This is BYU Sports Nation. Your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play continues alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Jerem, to introduce our next guest, I should bring up the following point. Do you know who was absolutely involved the last time BYU won a road afternoon game in Pac-12 territory? Who? Malik Moore. He got his Wingstop deal against Washington State. Yes, he did. Afternoon Pac-12 road game. Malik. How about that? Malik Moore is... He is the focus of our one-on-one BYU Sports Nation all-access interview here. He also discusses the number 12 ranking, and if he's buying into that, listen to the conversation. Malik, following that just epic, unforgettable double overtime win, which went early into Sunday morning, I'm sure it took you a while to wind down. So walk me through your sleep schedule over the last 24-plus hours. Man, it's like... I don't, I haven't even been able to get a good night's, this is, this is probably my first good night's rest of sleep. Like, I still didn't go to bed till 2 a.m. last night. Luckily, I don't have any classes, so I was like, I'm going to go to sleep till like 10. I'm not waking up till whenever, I don't care. <laughs> so, I mean, but that day, that night, I didn't go to sleep till about 4 a.m. Yeah. First of all, I mean, traffic, getting home, and you get home, and you're like so sore, you lay down in bed, it's just nothing that you can 
nothing that you can really do for it. So um, I don't know. Yeah, without question, super physical game that requires some extra sleep and certainly some added attention from the training staff. So for you, uh, who yourself, again, flying around, making a lot of hits, what was your recovery process like uh, to get right for Oregon week? Yeah, so I mean, there's treatments, <clears throat> treatment Sunday. So right after the game, uh, you wake up in the morning, treatments around middle of the day, one o'clock, two o'clock. Go in there, you know, get your hot tub in there and get your get your uh, stretch in there. Whatever it is that you need done that day, you go in there and do a Sunday. So that Monday, you know, you're back, you're ready to go. Uh, you're ready to go for practice. Um, but even before practice, you want to wake up early in the morning, get your classes done and spend a few hours or I spend a few hours, you know, before practice to get my body right. I'll uh, get a lot of deep tissue rubs in, a lot of releases <laughs> on my muscles. I don't do feel good mas massages, no feel good massages, deep tissue massages, so they hurt. But, you know, that's always the routine for me, at least. You were one of the first people in terms of players that I saw on the field after the final play of the game. And I jokingly asked you, hey, are you tired or something? You're like, yeah, I'm tired. Fans are storming around you. It's chaos. How long did it take you to find your way safely off the field into the locker room? I couldn't. Like, they started lifting me up. <laughs> I'm over here standing. I'm trying to celebrate. And all I see is a swarm of kids running towards me or running towards the field in general. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the middle getting hit in the head a couple hundred more times. Uh, I put my feet coming off the ground. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing it. And I'm up in the crowd <laughs> surfing. Then they put me back down. Now I'm just trying to make my way through. Luckily, I got the pads on, so everybody's, you know, a little farther away. But uh, it was definitely hard. And I'm like, everybody's storming the field. I'm thinking it's a Utah game. Again, I'm going to go see my mom, my dad, and my sisters and stuff. But they started going back into the stands. So I'm like, all right, what am I going to have to do? <laughs> so it took a good 30 minutes probably to get back to the locker room. And then even if I did get back to the locker room, half the team wasn't even in there. So I'm like, okay, well, let me go back outside, talk to my mom real quick. Then by then I was gone. <laughs> Wild experience, uh, but an unforgettable win for sure. Um, again, you were involved in that last play. You see that ball go up, walking through the defensive scheme and your perspective on that final play as Baylor was trying to score and extend this game. Mm -hmm. So in that in that play, it's just a matter of just playing playing smart. Like a lot of a lot of people in that situation, you know, want to make the big play that's gonna you know get them on TV, that's gonna get them the follow, whatever it is. Like, they want to do a lot, do too much. But in that moment, it's like, it's this is a team sport at the end of the day. You do your job. So in that moment, I'm looking at the quarterback. I'm not worried about the fans. I'm not worried about what's going to happen afterwards. I don't really care at that point, you know. So I'm worried about where that quarterback's going to throw the ball to. Because if he throw in the middle of the field and he catch it, that's going to be on me. I'm not going to look dumb. So it's like, I'm about to do my job. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the quarterback and I'm – getting his first look, his second look, whatever it is, and just going to where the routes are going and being there to help. <laughs> so many layers to that win for BYU. And I've uh, been talking offline with a number of people around BYU Broadcasting, BYU TV, about what a what that type of win will mean for this BYU team because things didn't just go smooth. And, and I mean, it was it was a rocky road to get to the ultimate victory finish. 
Um, but but you found a way to do that. And so in your opinion, how does that help you as a team pushing forward to win that type of game without some key players, with some injuries? It wasn't great. I mean, it was ugly at times. What does that do for a team? I think it just builds confidence, you know. It just it goes to show, you know, we can win these games with whoever is on the field because we all have the same agenda on this team. We all want to win games. We all want to, I'm, you know, we all want to help our families out. You know what I mean? So this is this is really every every game is a business trip. Every game is uh, we're locked in. Everyone's paying attention. We're disciplined, and uh, I think that 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 game like that really shows how special this team is and how how hungry this team is to be honest um so that game is definitely a confidence booster for all of us uh, undoubtedly um jake to his credit has been so good making a lot of clutch field goals in his career it wasn't his night but you got to go out there and and keep playing because those kicks don't go in um, so how are you handling that mentally to try and stay in the moment and and not let the frustration of something you can't control get you down? Because it's super easy to fall into that mode. So what were you doing? Uh, what I, I mean, what I did, I actually it was kind of funny because I before the game even started, I looked up to find, you know, my parents and my mom and stuff. And when that happened, um, a lot of the times you want to. You want to get in those modes, you know what I mean. You 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 put the nail, you put the hammer on the, on the nail. It's like you can only control what you can control. So what am I to get mad at? You know, Jake Jake for for missing those kicks because that touchdown was dang near on me. I I lost my eyes and the and the tight end score. So we all make mistakes in football and kicking is not hard whatsoever. So I mean, I looked up at my mom and I saw her face and I'm just like, yeah, this is just uh, this is what I'm doing it for. You know, I'm praying to God like, hey, let's get this dub. Let's do what we got to do. So. That's my 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 whole focus was just on staying focused and looking at those things that I'm doing it for and why you know my why so um, that's what pushed me to keep you know going throughout that game. Now BYU football's two and zero. You're ranked number twelve in the country. I know you guys are trying not to pay attention to those things, but whether you like it or not, those things resonate with the fans and they resonate with college football, and that's why you know we have shows to talk about it, including ours. Uh, but you got Oregon and, and you go up there and it's just like, man, we just we just got through Baylor. Now you got to turn around, you got to play another top 25 team, but this time on the road. So how do you make that transition mentally from the high of a win against Baylor to, OK, now it's all about Oregon? Yeah, um, that transition is for, for us. I think it's really easy because Kalani Kalani preaches that to us, like, we're not looking at the outside noises. We are focused on what we have going on. Like last year, we had all these NIL deals coming up and everything. And it was like, we're not worried about the built bar. We're not worried about this. We're worried about us and in these games. So that transition was cool. We all celebrated that night or, you know, during that game, everybody went home and we was all sleeping. Like we have group chats and everybody's like, all right, go to bed. It's, it's it's a fun game. It's act like we've been here before. So let's let's get it let's get it going next weekend. Next week is just another business trip. You know, it's on the road, and now our end of the day game. So our focus is going to be even more. You know, lasered in this week than what it was before. We don't have time in the hotel to chill out and think about stuff. We fly out Friday, get there Saturday, and it's game time. So uh, our focus this week is just keep it going. Like we got to keep it going. We can't stop and think, oh. Number 12 in the country, that's enough. Nah, like we're trying to get this national championship game. We're trying to get, we're trying to prove 
a lot of people wrong. So, so BYU football is really, really the real deal. Yeah, you bring up a great point because it is a day game um, and it's on the road. How does your schedule shift to accommodate for preparing for a day game after playing such a late night the week previous? Um, I think our schedule is – I'm not sure. Our schedule is pretty much going to be the same. Um, we already practice in the peak of the heat, so that's not going to be an issue. And we in Oregon, it's probably going to rain anyway. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just worried about – I think it's going to rain here, actually, Tuesday and Thursday – or Wednesday, isn't it? I don't know. I look yeah, at weather. Yeah, that rains in the schedule. Hey, I don't know. We we preparing for everything. So we already practicing the peak of the heat, like I said, and uh, our workouts going to still be the same. We're going to keep this discipline, keep the same schedule. Our discipline is going to get even more sharper. Our focus going to get sharper. So it's not really weather, a big. yeah. Uh, weather expert and meteorologist Malik Moore is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Yes, sir. You call it call the rain in Oregon. Hey, Come whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Coming live from BYU Sports Nation, baby. <laughs> uh, what do you know about Oregon at this point, Malik? I know it's early in the week, but what do you know about the Ducks and their offense and what they're going to try and do? Yeah, um, I believe they're going to try to – they like to use the receivers a lot. Uh, usually they run the ball, um, try to run the ball a lot, but I think that they'll probably do some of that and a lot more passing that Baylor didn't do. So um, I think we're going to have to be more, more cognizant on the pass game. Uh, and still stay stout on the run game. So I think that's a big thing. And uh, I don't know, I'm excited to see what jerseys they pull out, to be honest. Yeah, okay. And that, that's <laughs> always a thing. And, and you've got your own uniform combos. We learned today that you're in the all-whites, but with royal trim and the royal helmets. How are you feeling about the, the uniform combination for BYU this week? It's cool. I like the royal helmet. It fit my head nice. Okay. That that matters. <laughs> exactly so i mean i'm cool i'm cool everywhere as long as my helmet fits good and my shoulder pads is tight i can hit somebody that's all i care about you know what i mean hey, so hey, hey i'm worried i like our uniforms but i mean oregon let me see something let me see some fresh stuff real quick i'm gonna, I'm gonna see something <laughs> that, that matters for sure uh malik when you prepare for a team like you said you're expecting them to be you know obviously more pass heavy do you prefer that playing the position that you do in the secondary? Of course. I'm trying to give me a pick. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I got I got picks last year. This year, I'm just hey, I'm just going with the flow. If, if a pick comes my way, it comes my way. I was going to do my job at the end of the day, and uh, I'm going to stick to doing what I do best. So, you know, uh, you it's, this is definitely a DB's, uh, a DB's dream. Go against a team that likes to throw that ball because you get to test – you get the you get a, you get the you get a test you know what I mean you get to test yourself to see where you're at, um, and then you just opportunities for big plays and a lot of turnovers and that might be the key to this game is you know whoever can get more turnovers so we'll see yeah no question uh, zero combined turnovers between you and Baylor which is pretty wild with how physically you you two teams play against each other but you, you know it is such a you know a dramatic turn of events. Um, just just as a last question, what does it do for the defense and the team when you do create a turnover? How what is that like emotionally? Man, it's like the 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 momentum just shifts completely, you know. Everyone goes from here to here. So it just it keeps everybody going because you know it kind of gives you a not hope, but it gives you a sense of uh like this is this is this is possible. Like if we keep getting these turnovers. And doing what we got to do, you know, we will win this game. And uh, I don't know, the person who gets a turnover, I'm pretty sure they're feeling 
joyful, happy. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I'm excited. You know, but for the other exactly. So, but for the people around them, it brings up a lot more motivate, a lot more motivation, and uh, a lot more hype to the game because now it's like, hey, this is a this is a game now. It's exciting. It's have fun, which is what Connie preaches: having fun. And turnovers are fun. Yes, they are. Malik, I wish you a lot of fun, uh, whether that's turnovers or what, just overall fun in general as you push forward to Oregon. Uh, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. So just maybe you can go get that first pick yeah, against the Ducks. Problem. You know, channel that Pac-12 road power that you, you know, you showed so strong against Washington State last year. That's what we're looking oh, for, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to get one. We're going we to get one. We don't get one. Hey, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a guy's plan, but... Hey, we're we going to get one for sure. We're going to get one, man. I'm praying for it. <laughs> Great stuff. Malik, congratulations on the big win over Baylor. Again, good luck against Oregon. We'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. BYU Sports Nation All Access with Malik Moore. He embodies the veteran leadership of so many BYU players. His personality is fantastic. And uh, he played 74 of the 80 snaps, by the way, on defense. 58 of those at free safety. He was in the box nine times a secondary that didn't give up a pass play of 20-plus yards. So certainly a new challenge this week. Bo Nix more experienced, uh, but still. Bo, Bo Nix threw five touchdown passes against Eastern Washington. Feeling pretty good coming off Georgia, but hard to know how good Oregon is. They're very good. It's just, are they great? Are they 8-4 and four good? Like, what are they? We're about to find out soon. Yeah, we'll find out what Oregon is against BYU, and some people think we'll find out what BYU really is. True. On the road. It's a test for both. Okay, after further review is on demand on the BYU TV app and BYUSN.com as Blaine, Dave, and David break down how the Cougars held Baylor with 20 points in double OT and preview what to watch in the Oregon. Still on the way is Bronco Mendenhall returning to coach football and at a place where he secured one of his greatest BYU victories. This is BYU Sports Nation. I see what you did there. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Make sure to follow the show for all BYU Sports content on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jerem. I'm Spencer. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Kirk Herbstreit named Kalani Stockton Spence as one of his top five coaches of the week. Chase Roberts, one of his top performers. Uh, performers. Also, Roberts got to mention by RG3, one of my favorite analysts. He's great. That's one of his top performers. And BYU has a team to watch. Which is the best validation? I think it's Kalani Satake being number three on Kirk Herbstreit's top five coaches because Kalani Satake embodies the whole program. It's not just an individual thing. I love RG3. He's not quite on the level of Kirk Herbstreit when it comes to analyzing college football, so it just resonates more because Herbie, in a lot of ways, is college football. Kirk Herbstreit, for sure. Uh, RG3 is an emerging voice in the game, for sure. But no, Herbie's the analyst, right? The number one in college. Yeah, and when you say the head coach, what he's really saying is, look, the program, the, the program, the program under the culture Satake. as well. Absolutely. Which right now, it's just fantastic. The following tweet was pinned to the top of the Big 12 Conference Twitter page. I'm going to read it for you. Quote, our future is bright. From ESPN PR, the Baylor-BYU game on Saturday was ESPN's best late-night game since 2016 with 2.4 million viewers. Jerem, double-barreled question for you. Okay. How big of a deal is it that the Big 12 Conference posts these type of tweets and these numbers, and how big of a deal is it that future Big 12 posts 
these viewership numbers. It's not a big deal that they posted it. They're proud of it. They're excited. It's a new member with its existing champ. So no deal because, hey, they should be doing that. But the, that viewership number is big time. It was a ranked matchup. It was in this unique window, which we've come to appreciate at first in Independence. We all complained. They're not in the afternoon anymore. Like we felt that way, unless it's Utah Tech on BYU TV coming up in the moment. But yes, this is where we live, baby. 8.20 kicks, local time here. Big 12 homies, get used to the 9.20 kick. And if you're UCF or West Virginia, 10.20 on the East Coast. It's a big deal that they hit 2.4 million viewers. It really is. Big 12 after Great dark, number. bank on it. You can bank on Big 12 after dark. And it's viewable. Yes, Unlike it, certain networks. Yes, it is. Extra points, Matt Brown, friend of the program, confirms from the contract that BYU will receive 1.1 mil from Oregon for this week's game scheduled back in 2015. How much of that 1.1 mil would you give back for a win? All of it. Every single penny of it I would give back because now BYU is 3-0. They're in the top 10. They're riding high. They're coming home for two games against group of five teams. BYU is going to be 5-0 and ranked number six or seven going into the Notre Dame game. And that alone, just the notoriety around that is worth $1.1 million. And it might be because it might get BYU into a New Year's Six game if they can beat Oregon. Or you're making more than $1.1 exactly. million. Exactly. That That's exactly what you're You don't have to share with the conference. You're investing in something you think could be an even bigger payout if you throw that $1.1 million back into a win against Oregon. Agreed. And I would give all my sins to know thee for a win <laughs> at Oregon. Let's go. How about this? Bronco Mendenhall's name is being thrown into the mix for the potential head coach job at Nebraska of all places. Well, well, well. Is Bronco Mendenhall in Nebraska a perfect fit? I feel like it would be. I really do. Like the hardworking Midwest attitude associated with Nebraska, an appreciation of history, an understanding of what it takes to win and the pressure having been at BYU. What he did at Virginia, he had no pressure to win, right? But he got them to an Orange Bowl. Thank you, Clemson, for going to the national title game in the playoff. That would be an amazing fit. I wonder if he's had enough time off. I know he's doing the podcast. I would actively be paying attention to Nebraska if Bronco was. If I were in Nebraska, I would pay him whatever he wants because that is the type of personality and mentality that a program like Nebraska absolutely needs. A certain amount of discipline that yes. he restored to BYU Tom in 05. Osborne. Yep built his program on discipline. They, the and legacy the was built on discipline. And guess what? Bronco has a great appreciation for the option because he knows the discipline it takes to run something like that, which is why he was so good defending against it. Bronco Mendenhall is a Tom Osborne personality. Nebraska should pay him whatever they can to get him out of retirement. I think he is a perfect fit for that program to try and resurrect a great legacy. Absolutely. When they stink, it's weird, right? BYU Football posted a five-angle video of the final play with Greg Rubel's radio call. However, the shot is overtaken by the foreground presence of one Jason Shepard. Is that a five-yard penalty, 15-yarder, or no call after further review? You know, I've watched this clip a few times. <laughs> I don't think there was an intentional, uh, any intentional malice here, Jared. No, he's excited. There's, there's, there's nothing intentionally done here. It's just a reaction. Sometimes that happens. It was an incidental thing. We're kind of like running into the kicker. It's not like roughing the kicker. That's still a 15-yarder though now. This is a five-yard penalty to me. You know, just, just pure reaction in the moment, right? And in case you missed it, here it is. <laughs> Tell him, Jason. Flex those biceps. Dude, 
Flex Dude. those biceps. Looking massive. Did he did he do some push-ups in the press box? Well. It's it's no call. Listen. It's a no call? It's, so after it's, further, after no, fear, no penalty. No call. He's good. He's good. Guess what? Some people sometimes people are like, wait, Homer is what a you're the radio call of the home team. It's fine to be Homerish. Yeah. I know people don't like being called that sometimes, but absolutely. You're not catering to both teams. You're catering to your team. Yeah. No You're call. such a BYU fan is the voice of the Cougars. Yeah. Shep, it works for BYU. It's all good. It's all good. We try and respect the opponent, but obviously we cater to BYU. Okay, tune in Saturday for BYU Sports Nation game day as we get you ready for a top 25 matchup from Eugene and Provo. Coverage begins all two hours, baby on BYU TV, BYUSN.com, coming up Saturday, 1.30 Eastern Time. This week's Deep Blue features the story of Ed Lamb and his autistic son, Edward Lamb, and how a father-son relationship has been strengthened and bonded over horse riding. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. And during the football season, it can understandably be very difficult for quality time when you're a coach. Now, for associate head coach Ed Lamb and his autistic son, Edward, horseback riding is an activity that bonds the two together in a way unlike any other activity can. This is Deep Blue. I can't separate the shape of our family, the definition of our family from the way Edward has impacted all of our lives. He can't speak and he can't communicate in some ways, but I think he brings us just a lot of joy. And we we laugh a lot at our house, even through a lot of, you know, moments that other people would be horrified by. I think we have just learned to adapt to that type of life. And I think it's helped us in other areas in our life. It really is. It's a good word. Thank you. Adapt to survive. There, there would be no survival without adapting. tried to read all the books we could about autism and special needs children when, when we first got a glimpse of what Edward might be and then find out that the books don't prepare you for your own special need. That's, that's why they're special. Yeah. It's, it's different. There's similarities, but there's no, there's no blueprint, at least not that I've found. Now, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot the last few years is the labels that we put on players and the labels that we put on people. And, you know, Edward's, Edward's got a label, special needs. I, I certainly answer to that and, and understand that. But the, one of the things I've realized is that all the players on our team are special needs in a way. I'm special needs. We all as individual people have special needs. And I, I really started to realize how important it is for me to look at each one of the players that I have contact with and and find what is what is the special need that they have. And, and maybe a better word is individual or unique needs. I'm proud of Edward for who he is and, and he has different needs. Certainly there's a lot higher capability and ceiling in uh, the arena of football for the guys on the team, but the coach's job is to find that little nugget of advice or a technique 
or a piece of wisdom or point them in the right direction so that they can be the, the very best player that they can be. In a lot of ways, uh, Edward, Edward can be a bit of a prisoner in our own home. He doesn't have uh, proximity awareness. If he gets out, he'll, he'll keep going. In fact, we're sure he, he wouldn't come back or wouldn't, it wouldn't dawn on, or it wouldn't occur to him to, to return. So there's a lot of danger in that. And there's a lot of daily saving his life and securing the house, but there's also a little bit of a, a little bit of a sequestering where he's, you know, he's sequestered to our home and our backyard. As dangerous as horseback riding can be, uh, this is about the safest activity that we can do together outside of our home. Other than that, it's a way for us to spend quality time together and it's a way for him to feel free and happy and yet still be close to me. These three horses and even the other horses on this property, they know him, they have a sense for him. They're incredible animals. People say they can hear your heartbeat. They can tell if you're nervous from 100 yards away. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't really believe that. I would think it's folklore until I see Edward interact with a horse that seems spooked by everybody else. And Edward walks right up and grabs his ears or something. And the horse is just as calm as can be. And I think they know there's no guile in him. There's no, there's no danger in him. Edward doesn't talk. He sometimes kind of sings a, or hums a tune and when he's happy and makes noise. I talk to him, even though I don't know how much he understands. But a lot of times it's just us in complete silence and enjoying whatever it is that these trails have to offer on that day. And it, it changes quite a bit. I feel like you put it out into the universe. Yeah. I feel like you put it out there and said, I just wish so badly that we had something that we yeah. could do together that we both love. And I can't think of anything better to be manifested from that. People always ask the question innocently, uh, oh, you, you, when they find out I've got 12 year old, oh, does he play football? And I would have thought maybe, you know, before I knew Edward, before we had him, that that would be something that would hurt the feelings of a, of a father to think about, oh, what could have been? Look, look at this. My boy doesn't play football or my boy doesn't play sports, but because I've known him since he was a baby, I have no expectations or hopes that he plays sports. Yeah. He rides horses, and that's, that's what I enjoy doing with him because he loves it. During the season is the most stressful time where I feel like the job that I'm doing and how well I'm doing my job or how well 19 to 22-year-olds are doing their job is the most stressful for me, but it all, when I walk in the door at home, it all seems to disappear and take a back seat for however many hours I'm at home. That's, that's the strength of, that's the strength of the home for me, the strength of the family. Even the things that are hard at home that are going on, it's a welcome respite from the stress of the day. It feels like peace and quiet, but it's not always peaceful. It's not always quiet. Heavens, no. <laughs> but there is a peace in that. There is a peace in um, family chaos and lots of voices and activity and bantering and even arguing. I feel like you can look back and just be really grateful for those times when the house is full and everyone's together, enjoying each other's company and managing conflict. <laughs> 
for me, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that we're here raising this family that we couldn't have predicted. In the same place, I spent time, a time that was such a developmental time in my life, trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to be and where I wanted to be. I feel like there's been a lot of hard things that we've had to deal with and we have a pretty consistent challenge with our son, but I am just super grateful for the opportunity to, to be for, here for as long as we have and um, to be surrounded by the people that we're surrounded by. I just feel every day really lucky. BYU will just always be a part of us, I think, wherever, wherever we are. It's a big part of our lives and our family. Well said. You too. <laughs> Ed and Sarah Lamb have several layers of incredible. You just got a glimpse of it there. Up next, what is your richest storyline for BYU, including Coach Lamb, as they head into the Oregon game? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Our question of the day, what is the richest storyline going into the BYU at Oregon game? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort comes in from at N underscore Crowley 19 on Twitter. It says Big 12 versus Pac-12 with the context of Oregon is now the face of the Pac-12 and George K's grenades. Comments make this game the game version of this conversation. Utah's the face of the Pac-12. Sorry. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Moments bigger than the game. The Lambs, Jaron Hall with Jake Goldroyd, we've seen that this week. Ah, emotional stuff. Love to see it. Our thanks to today's guest, Malik Moore. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Alema Harrington. We'll see you tomorrow back here in Studio B for a brand new edition of BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs!